Hello, welcome to History Through of a House. This is our bite-sized episode where we recap what we went over in episode two. It's a little bit to the point. Um, it's going to be very dry with all the facts and just a little bit of chitter-chatter. We are developing and restoring a house in Dartmoor, Devon. Um, and as we're researching the house and where we've lived, um, I've realized that it's become... The house is very representative of how England developed as a whole and the history that England went through. I have a degree in history from Exeter University and I thought it would be a really great way of recording what we're doing here at Longlands, but also addressing kind of how England's developed the social history and looking at the bite-sized bits of day-to-day -day life that people would have lived, not just dates and facts. Last week we talked a little bit about the geology of the place and this week we talked about the Stone Age. In keeping with that, the thing I talked about to do with Longlands was the fact that we wet-walled one of the corners of a barn this week. Stonemasonry is one of the oldest professions in human history. As far back as the Neolithic times, they had quick lime plasters and mortars. They've been building with lime for tens of thousands of years all over the globe, um, pyramids, the Parthian, Taj Mahal. A lot of the properties around here are built with wet walling because the abundant resource is granite. Um, it's super hard, makes for great building. And unlike brick, although you can use concrete with the granite light, uh, with the granite stone, still most of the people choose to use limecrete here. It's always better to have your lines erode, your points erode in your stonework than it is to have the stone erode first. Um, Stonemasons have a three-year apprenticeship which covers everything from tombstones to walls. It is one of the oldest professions in the world and many of the tools that they used back in ancient times and when they were building longlands would have still been the tools that Jason, who did our drywalling, wet walling this weekend, would have used too. It was an incredibly quick job um, and I think while he's not a trained stonemason, it goes to show that if you spend enough time rebuilding Devon Barnes, you really can learn that particular side of stonemasonry and do a wonderful job at it. Um, the next thing we talked a little bit about is how I'm going to define dates. Um, this was something I wasn't even realizing was an issue until I started researching this week's episode. And for the sake of many different reasons, I have decided to use BCE and CE meaning before current era and current era, as opposed to the more traditional BE and AD. A couple of different reasons for that. One, obviously BCE and CE are more correct since AD is about when Christ was born and died. And that's a date that's very hard to pin down. And also because we're talking about history before they even believed in Christ. And I think it's a, probably a pretty good idea to take a more woke and uh, all-encompassing idea. All right, the Stone Age. It lasted 3.4 million years. That wasn't in Devon. Um, it wasn't in England either. But the Stone Age started down in Africa. And basically, the Stone Age means the evolution of humans. We're still not talking about Homo sapiens at this point. We're talking about the earliest man. And they were emigrating from Africa out through across Europe. And Europe at this point was attached still to England and back and forth into England and Devon. There are evidence of people in England, I think to about 300,000 BC, EBC, BCE. There we go, there's my dyslexia. Uh, 300,000 BCE. Um, but this area of England and Devon was settled primarily from about 10,000 BCE onwards. It's defined with the flint, the napping, um, and the fact that this is when farming and community started to be developed. It finishes with the beaker culture when they started to learn to smelt ore. Um, starting with the kind of day-to-day -day life, farming, 
Devon is still well known for its farming. Back then, Devon was tree filled. Um, and people, the earliest Paleolithic settlers, were cave dwellers. And there's evidence of cave paintings, they hunted woolly mammoths. Um, there's a huge amount of evidence of these very earliest men. It's fascinating that at this point, while there was very little way in the way of language, they still had an appreciation for art. There's cave paintings, there's jewelry. And while I'm sure their life was very much a subsistence-based existence, it's really cool to note that they didn't just live to eat and sleep, but they actually enjoyed telling stories and passing information down from generation to generation. And pretty much this is how language began. Chudley Cavern is a limestone cave near where we are here. There's a lot of cave systems in Dartmoor. Um, that cave contains stalactites. Um, part of it's open to the public, but the rest is only open to experienced cavers. As far as I can tell, there was no evidence of humans, but since it's the closest cave to us, I thought it was worth pointing out. As the Neolithic people uh, started evolving, that was when we started seeing a shift towards farming. It wasn't farming in the sense of planting crops. It was farming more in the sense of herding. They were at that point, moving livestock. There's a lot of evidence to show this. One of the major things are causeway enclosures. Um, there's a lot of them found around, um, I think, Warm Hill being not near, not the Warm Hill down the road from us, but Warm Hill, uh, which is in Cornwall, I believe, is one of the biggest and oldest versions of this. The causeway enclosure is one to four concentric circles with an internal bank. They believe that it was used periodically. It was never settled permanently. This was a very migratory people. Um, and they used it for defense, possibly more from defense of animals, since there was no real pressure for land at this point. Uh, cattle farming as a trade center for funerals. The way it worked, it was very much to do with being able to hold livestock. It also, interestingly, there's no way a single family could have built these. This would have involved teamwork um, and planning, which is the first real idea of a community of people making, of trading, um, of a community, and from people moving to smaller units into bigger units. The most important element that comes out of this era is talking about death. Um, and that's because, honestly, that's where the most evidence still exists. Um, there's... A lot of evidence of Mesolithic people in Devon, but no bodies have been found, um, which leads most people to believe that these were air burials. Or if they did bury them, they buried them in very short, shallow graves where the higher levels of acid probably completely eroded any evidence of people. What There's a lot of evidence is slightly later of the Neolithic people in the New, New Stone Age. There's two different types of burials that we can see almost within walking distance of where we live. One is the cans or the barrow, uh, barrows. These were long barrows, unlike the slightly later round barrows, which I'll talk about in a lot more detail. There's a three barrow tour on Dartmoor. It's the one of the largest um, examples of barrows in the country. Um, really, it just looks like big piles of stone. They haven't really been able to investigate what's going on there because they do really restrict, um, they do really restrict archaeology on Dartmoor um, but at some point they have found fractures of skulls and things like that coming out the ground so it is fairly evident that there are people buried there. On a side note in 1944 RAF Wellington crashed at the Three Barrow tour 
um, killing four people. You can actually still see the crash site. Um, I haven't been out there to see it and I'm going to do that shortly and I want to go out there and photograph it. I think it's a really interesting mix that the first signals of people forming communities and religion have such a literal culture clash with World War II um, and that the evidence of two deaths or several deaths, I guess, in such tens of thousands of years apart um, happen in such a small space. I know that in a city that doesn't seem as unusual, but certainly out in the moors, it kind of has a cultural impact. The other form of burials that you see all around the moors are cysts. Um, they're stone chests. Most of them have been robbed, so there's not a lot of evidence of what grave goods were buried with them. Some bodies were folded, some are ashes in pots. In 1324, Edward I was the first monarch to actually tell people they could go and look for stuff in the cis. It was a huge break with tradition where you weren't supposed to disturb the dead. Um, a lot of legends have been born out of this. There is the legend of the parson who uh, went crazy looking for money only for his house to be burnt down in the storm when he finally gave in to the urge and dug up one of the cysts in his property. And then there is the Stoneheart money pit which is a slightly more involved legend about a man who would have dreams about the fact that at the bottom of the cyst in his garden was a pot of money. Um, one day he went out to his garden and he dug up this cyst all the way down to the bottom. And at the very bottom of it, he found a small stone flint heart. He picked it up and brought it into his house, disappointed. And from that day, he turned from a happy, jolly man into a very sad man with a heart of stone. The legend has it that one of his family members eventually took the heart of stone and reburied it and from that day forward he turned back to his lovely self but basically these are fables trying to discourage people from actually digging around in these cysts it didn't work very well they have found very few that are undisturbed one of the ones that they have found that is undisturbed is rare in the fact that it has actually been dug up um excavated and recorded and that was because it's a slightly later cyst than the one that we're talking about but actually the erosion in that piece of property near where that cyst was was getting so bad that they knew that if they didn't dig it up they were actually going to lose it that excavation showed jewelry pots um all the typical uh, grave goods that you would associate it also showed that the girl it was an adult female that they found was wrapped in a bear cape um, pinned with a copper pin which is how we know it's a little later but it gives a really good example that these hundreds of cysts buried around Dartmoor how many things must have been stolen out of them over the years and there's obviously been very few modern investigations to kind of confirm any of that so at the end of last episode we finished with a way that modern science has helping bring these elements to life I thought it was a really cool theme and along with investigating some of the crimes that have happened in the area to do with the history, but looking about how science is helping bring these things alive is a really cool point. There is an ecologist in Dartmoor named Derek Gow. He owns 115 acres and he is trying to use that 115 acres to recreate what he is saying is basically a Devon safari, Stone Age safari. He is using a Nazi-engineered cattle, which don't hold it against them, called the Aurora cattle, which is basically a very, very large cow and the closest thing to what the Stone Age people would have been farming and herding. He has got wild cats, um, mouflon rams, which look are a sheep but look very goat-like he's introduced wild boar and his aim is that they will form an ecosystem that actually allows people to go visit and experience stone age living and stone age animals that have been ex in 
that have been extinct in England for a very, very long time. It's a pretty cool way of bringing those things alive. And I really hope this is, he's only started this very recently. It hasn't evolved yet, but I'm really hoping that we get to go visit it at some point. The last thing that was really cool that I learned about last week was the have sol- they have solved the oldest cold case in the world. They found a body in Transylvania and it was dug up and it at the time there were some skull fractures and it was never very clearly determined and I think everyone believed that those skull fractures came from poor archaeological practices. Anyway, more recently, um, CSI have decided to take a look at these bones and this head wound. Um, very interestingly, they found almost immediately that these fractures had in fact been made by somebody at the time of this person's death. They managed to look at it and realize that there was no sign of healing, so these fractures weren't made before the person's death. And conversely, when they started doing experiments, they realized that the only way to get the radial shatter pattern that they had seen was if there was actually soft brain matter behind the skull. If it had been fractured upon being brought out the ground, you would have seen a much more jagged and kind of scattered fracture pattern versus like a radial fracture pattern. They use this information to then basically take it like they would if someone in the current period had died from a head wound. They matched it with various different weaponry and found that the closest thing that they could come up with was that this person had been hit with a baseball bat. They had also been hit from in front with a baseball bat. So it was in some kind of conflict. And basically it's the world's oldest murder. Obviously they're never gonna actually solve this particular crime, but it's very cool to know that science can be applied, whether it be three minutes ago or 30,000 years ago. All right, great. It was really great telling you guys about this stuff. And if you want the more fun chatty version, please feel free to head over to episode two, the full long version. Um, If you like the drier one, then keep listening to these bite-sized pieces. They'll tell you a little bit more about the history around here. Um, You can follow us on everything under History of a House. And most importantly, if you could please go out and rate and review us and tell other people about us, it will make a huge difference to how much fun I have doing this. Thank you very much. All right, bye.